fuck was that? <laughs> Why do you guys always do this? You wait till I hit record and then you do something fucking stupid or funny and you're like. <laughs> anyway, uh, my name is Adam Edgar. This Ed- is virtual. Oh. And I'm Hunter Chambliss, <laughs> and this is Virtual Tavern, a podcast where we cover all things sci-fi and fantasy. Yes, uh, we are covering the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring Extendo Cock Edition. Uh, we don't go small with anything here. We go big or go home. Yep. So we are almost halfway through the movie, surprisingly. Yeah. And we're only, what, episode four? Yeah, I think so. I think this would be episode four. Yeah. But we're taking it in 30-minute chunks, so it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, as long as, you know, it's easy for people to follow like that. We we just got to try to cut it right. But it makes sense because the Fellowship of the Ring extended edition is the shortest of the extended editions. Yeah. Like, the other two are big boys. Rapid fire. Um, but last time we were on Fantasy Friday with the eleventh birthday. <laughs> Just made you gag. Um, <sighs> I salvaged my stuttering. Last time we left off with Frodo, Aragorn, and the rest of the hobbits and Arwen racing towards uh, Rivendell. Frodo got stabbed. Um, he fucked around and found out with the Witch King. Yep. And Arwen, being the faster rider, uh, took Frodo to Rivendell. And now he's just waiting and he's got bed and breakfast and everything. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we need to get our house cleaning shit out of the way. Uh, we have our talking point recaps. Uh, actually, no, we need to go into our socials and everything first. Yes, sir. Uh, so if you would like, you can always send us an email. <laughs> Our email is contactvirtualtavern at gmail.com. We did get an email this week, but you're going to have to go and read it on our sci-fi podcast because, well, I mean, it's all the same podcast, but uh, on Sci-Fi Sunday, our episode covering Cyberpunk Edgerunners because it's more pertains to sci-fi. Yeah. So you emailed us. If you're listening to this, go ahead and read our, God damn it. Go ahead and listen to our response on the Cyberpunk episode. We're, I'm not ignoring you. We're not ignoring you. <laughs> Just go listen to the next episode on Sunday. Yes. Uh, when that releases. But anyway, our analytics, we did get a new listener from Australia, um, which is pretty fucking cool. We already talked about that on the sci-fi podcast, yep. which will re- release this Sunday. It's kind of <laughs> weird. We're doing these out of the order, but it's fine. Yeah. We should really do the sci-fi episode first. <laughs> <laughs> or no, the finest the fantasy podcast first. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz we're getting mixed up here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, we had new listeners from new countries, pretty fucking cool, Australia. We had email listeners that actually sent in emails. Go listen to our sci-fi episode for that. Um other than that, <clears throat> subscribe to our YouTube where we upload YouTube shorts. Uh subscribe to our TikTok, which is essentially the same thing. It's virtual underscore tavern underscore podcast. Hey, you didn't fuck it up this time. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Huh? <laughs> um, but other than that, that's all of our socials, all of our plugs. Um, talking point recap. So if you guys don't know, we like to do something called a talking point recap. It's an opportunity for us to reflect on the previous segment of whatever we're covering. Um, so last time we left off with fantasy Friday, talking about the Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring, we left the village of Bree, right? We had, uh, Mary Pippin, Sam Frodo and Aragorn. They were fleeing, uh, Bree, you know, and they met up with Arwen, who is 
Aragorn's love interest, Strider. She, she is Bay. She is Bay. <laughs> and Frodo got stabbed. Frodo fucked around and found out. And Arwen took Frodo to Rivendell. And that's where we left off is him waking up in Rivendell. Yep. So that pretty much sums up the whole last episode. So Hunter, my talking point recap for you is what was the most comedic scene in the last segment? What was the funniest scene for you? Um, you know, the fact that they had that the the hobbits were still trying to do hobbit things and they were cooking at night to me was kind of funny. But I would say probably the funniest thing is when uh, Frodo is talking to the barkeeper and he's trying to see if, you know, Gandalf has come through. And he's like kind of having to walk him through as to who <laughs> I Gandalf knew you were going to say that part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Gandalf. Oh, yes. Gandalf. No, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> Big gray beard, pointy hat. No, he's not fucking here. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him in months. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would, I would say uh, him asking the bartender about Gandalf was the funniest thing. Um, my question for you is... Mm. Why is it? What? Why do you think it is that when, um, a Morgul blade is left by one of the ring wraiths, or you know, I, I don't know if it was because it was left by one of the ring wraiths, or because Aragorn picked it up, or if it was the sunlight. Ooh. What makes it disappear into Ooh. ash? Like, what? What are your thoughts on that? That's a good question because I actually don't know the lore reason. I'm only okay. I'm sure there is a lore reason why the Morgul blade does. That's a good fucking question. I fucking hate you. <laughs> that okay? That's a good one. I'm only going to speculate here because I don't know the answer. I'm willing to bet because it left the Witch King's hands, and because it's partly like a spectral weapon too, it disappeared because Ooh. it left his uh his grip. Okay. Um, if it's on his body, you know, because they're partly spectral. You know, they're kind of phasing in between this realm and that realm of existence. Yeah. Um, but because it left his hands and it was left on the ground, then it kind of disappeared because it was no longer like being held by the Witch King. That makes sense. It's kind of like um, if uh, it, his presence was slowly leaving it and when they picked it up, that just happened to be the last little remnant of it finally disappeared. Yeah. So it went away. That's my only theory of why the blade would disappear like that is because the Witch King's grip or him like being like on his torso or anything like on his waist was keeping it on this plane of existence. Firmly grasp it in your hand. Firmly grasp it in your hands. <laughs> Firmly grasp it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that covers our talking point recap and everything. All right, so let's get balls deep into this. Uh. <laughs> That's the first thing you say when I unpause the playback. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so the episode... God damn it, Hunter, you threw me off. <laughs> so the first part of this segment is Frodo finally wakes up in Rivendell. And Frodo wakes up and Gandalf is right there. He's just like, Frodo's like, where am I? You're in Rivendell. And it is 10 o'clock in the morning, if you're wondering. Which makes me wonder, how do they tell time? There's no clocks. Sundials. Oh, that's true, I guess. Huh? <laughs> Fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> I have a sundial over there on my fucking shelf. I should know this. I'm an idiot. But Frodo wakes up. He's still got the stab wound, you know, freshly on his chest and everything. And immediately Frodo drills into Gandalf like, what happened, Gandalf? Why weren't you here? And Gandalf, he's this sweet old man. He's trying to like keep it like cheery and happy. And he's like, I am sorry 
photo. I was delayed. Yeah, he has this pause. I was delayed. <laughs> he doesn't like know how to word it and everything. Yeah. And I was busy getting tossed around like a fucking ragdoll. I was busy getting the zuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he go they Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it goes straight to a scene where um he's explaining to Frodo what happened and we see Saruman is like torturing Gandalf, right? Gandalf doesn't have a staff. He can't fight back. And Saruman's the more powerful wizard. He's on top of the tower. He's basically wanting to convert Gandalf to join Saruman. He's like, embrace the power of the ring or embrace your own destruction. You must embrace the power of the dark side. (laughs) But Gandalf stays resolute in his beliefs and his conviction. He says, there is only one Lord of the Ring and he does not share power. (laughs) And... We saw the moth come back. Gandalf has a power to be able to communicate with like life and plants and, you know, animals. Yeah. So he communicated with a moth who sent a message to the eagles to come and rescue him. And I know that this is an age old fucking argument. Why can't the eagles just solve all our problems? You know, I hate that fucking topic being brought up. I know. Why didn't they just use the eagles to fly Frodo all the way over there? <laughs> okay. I want to only address this one fucking time. I'll probably address it too when we get to Return of the King. <laughs> the reason why the fucking eagles couldn't just take the whole fellowship to Mordor is because one, the fucking Nazgul have fell beasts. They will knock them out of the sky. They have air defenses. <laughs> take him out of the fucking sky! <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Oh, that's Kylo Ren. <laughs> yes. Blast that hunk of junk out of the sky! <laughs> Blow that piece of junk out of the sky! Um, but that's why the fucking uh, eagles couldn't just fly into Mordor. Mordor has their own anti-air capabilities. They have, you know, ballistas. They have their own fell beasts, you yeah. know. They have their own aerial battle units. And not to mention, once the ring gets closer to Mordor, the Nazgul will be able to sense you. Yeah. So you're not going to catch them off guard with the fucking eagles. You're, they're going to see like six or seven eagles flying into their domain, and they're going to knock you out of the sky. Hmm, that's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to hear that fucking argument. Why didn't the eagles, this age-old argument, just take them? And also, the eagles, they're their own sentient beings. They're like the, they're like the Ents. They don't like to involve themselves in the troubles of the world very often. Yeah, they're they're cool with Gandalf and they'll help him out when he needs it, but it's kind of like dire situations. Yeah. That that that's the reason why they help in the first place is cuz they're cool with Gandalf. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about really the the races of men and dwarves and elves. They're like Gandalf, motherfucker, I got you. Oh, dude. Man, <laughs> you he need bring- a ride. <laughs> He brings that good long bottom weed. <laughs> Dude, imagine that. That's like a fucking deviant fan art or something is Gandalf smoking weed with the fucking eagles. Dude, I'm just picturing the fucking eagle like holding the bong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, if, uh, if you're one of our listeners. Take another hit. Gandalf, here you go. If you're one of our listeners that is uh, more on the artistic side, if you could draw that picture for me, if you could draw... One of the eagles smoking a bong with Gandalf um, and email it to us. That I would, would greatly be, appreciate that it. That would be beautiful. <laughs> yes, please. Like, if you have any kind of artistic ability, now just for us to make us super fucking happy, um, Kay Allen, I'm, I'm rooting for on you. Uh, <laughs> s- send us a photo of <laughs> Gandalf smoking weed with the fucking eagles on top of like a mountain somewhere. <laughs> please, please do it. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the movie. 
Gandalf is talking about like how how basically Frodo survived. And he's like, by the skills of Lord Elrond, you're beginning to mend. Excuse me. And Elrond, this is the first time we actually get to see him and have any dialogue. Like he comes over to his Frodo, his Frodo's bedside. He's like, Welcome to Rivendell, Mr. Mr. Bagginson. <laughs> God damn it. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Dude, we're on the same wavelength way too fucking often. Just need to Photoshop a pair of sunglasses on his fucking head. <laughs> I know. Mr. Baggins. <laughs> I can taste it. I want out of this prison, this cell, this Rivendell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Frodo has a nice little cute reunion with the rest of the hobbits, you know, Mary, Pippin, and Frodo. Um, Because they got separated. Remember, like, you know, Frodo was in like a sleep or a coma for a couple days. You forgot the best hobbit, Sam. My dearest Sam. (laughs) But this is really cool. Uh, Frodo looks over and he sees Bilbo. And holy fuck, has he aged horribly in just that past, like, 25 years or he's, however. He's aged so fast because he's been away from the ring. I think it, I can't remember exactly how long it was, like, between Bilbo leaving the ring in the Shire and then now. I think it's, like, a decade or, like, seven years. It's a long time. But he aged, like, 40 years in that time. Yeah. Like, last time we saw him, he was, like, in his late 40s, mid 40s. Now he's, like, fucking 70. <laughs> It's my hundred and eleven birthday. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's he was a hundred and eleven during his birthday at the Shire, but he, in like real human years, he looks seventy nine, eighty years old. Yeah, like he went from having um still dark darker hair to now he has like very bright, vibrant white hair. Yeah, and uh, it's really cool. Bilbo actually finished his book. He's got really really artistic styled maps of like the Shire and the city of Dale and the, and the lonely mountain. It's really cool. Like I want to get that fucking tattooed on my arm, like the lonely mountain with smog right above it in bright Uh, red. That'd be cool. Like I was thinking about that as my Lord of the Rings tattoo idea. Um, or either just like, like map designs of like the Shire and like Minas Tirith and all that shit. You're giving me ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but they have a nice little reunion. Sam and Frodo, they're talking like, well, our job's done. You know, Sam's already packing up his bags. He's like, it doesn't hurt to be prepared. Packed already. No more than being prepared. Thought you wanted to see the old Sam. I do. More than anything. I did. It's just... We did what Gandalf wanted, didn't we? We got the ring this far to Rivendell, and I thought... Seeing as how you're on the mend, we'd be off soon. My phone. You know, Sam's already like, dude, we did our job. We're hobbits. We're not meant for this kind of fucking big quest type bullshit. Yeah. Sam's already like, dude, let's get the fuck out of here. It's time to go back home. Yeah. Frodo, he's a little apprehensive at first, but he accepts, you know, Sam, like, you're right, Sam. It is time for us to go home. We set out what we needed to do, and he believes that the ring will be safe in Rivendell. Um, but obviously that changes later on with the council of Elrond. Yeah. But they're like, dude, we don't want that fucking thing here. (laughs) (laughs) Elrond and Gandalf were talking overhead of Frodo and Sam. They were watching them have a conversation. And I love this piece, this, uh, interaction between Elrond and Gandalf, like Elrond and Gandalf are like the members of like this. I don't know how to describe it. Like the. I forget what they're called. The Grey Council, the White, the White Council. 
they're called the White Council, I think. It's uh, El, it's Galadriel, Saruman, Gandalf, and Elrond. I think are the members of the White Council. And in the Hobbit, you know, we saw that in in film, but they're like the overseers of Middle Earth. Yeah, they're like the the four um, wizards or whatever you know, the the four demigods that were sent to watch over everything. Well, Elrond and Galadriel are elves. Yeah. But I get, I know what you mean. Like yeah. they're, they're the protectors of Middle Earth. Exactly. They're the guardians <laughs> of the globe. <laughs> they're, they are the Avengers. They're the guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> um, but Gandalf and Elrond are having this interaction. Be like, they're basically the only ones left that are standing guard over Middle Earth. Sauron has betrayed them. Um, and Elrond's like, our list of allies grows thin. He's got that Mr. Anderson sound to him, man. Like, I get it. It's the same actor. They're going to have the same mannerisms, but he really pulls that Agent Smith to him. Like, Saruman has betrayed us. Our list of allies grows thin. <laughs> yes. Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> but, me too. Uh, Elrond is telling Gandalf, my people are leaving these shores. You know, we know that the elves are having like a mass exodus from Middle Earth. They're no longer going to play the guardians of Middle Earth, the uh, the protectors of Middle Earth against Sauron. They're done. Well, yeah, that and, you know, we already saw that, like, the Wood Elves were having to go back to um, that, the fuck is it called? The Haven? The Grey Havens. Yeah, the Grey Havens. So I'm sure, like, you know, they're going to be on that same, that same path here shortly anyhow. Yeah. Well, the House of Elrond, you know, it's just... It's not like a city. It's just like a house. It's like a big mansion. There's only a couple hundred elves living there. Um, and then the only other elves in Middle-earth are the Mirkwood elves and the Lothlorien elves. And even then, those elves are going to leave Middle-earth eventually, too. Yeah. Like, those are the last pockets of elves living in Middle-earth. You know, that's it. Like, there's no one else to stand between Sauron and total domination of Middle-earth except men. The, ga- the, the dwarves are just fucking off in their minds, you know. You know, <laughs> uh, tinkering away, you know, pissing off dragons and shit. Yep. And, you know, the elves are leaving, so it's up to men. That's what Gandalf says. It is in men that we must put our hopes in. Men. Men are weak. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> um, oh, they are. They are disease. <laughs> <laughs> they are disease, Mr. Smith. Um, but then we go to a scene where. People from around the world, around Middle Earth, are starting to arrive at uh, Rivendell. You start to see dwarves, elves, and men from all across the land. And it turns out, in the book, like before um, the ring had even got to Rivendell, Elrond had sent out messengers to all corners of the land beforehand to bring these people here. Hmm. It just so happened that the ring got here at this most convenient time. Elrond already planned on having all these people. That's why I always wondered, like, dude, how did the ring get here? And, and then, then, like, the same day, basically, all these people started fucking flooding in. Yeah, I always wonder that. Like, dude, these these people, like the dwarves and the men, they live oh, fucking hundreds of miles away. Like, that's going to take at least, like, weeks to get a messenger there and then for them to come back. But no, it turns out Elrond had already sent out messengers beforehand. And they just arrived at the same time, the ring and all these people from across the world. Yeah. Um, so you have dwarves, elves, and men all meeting here, all the races of, you know, free folk and Elrond's like, it is up to them to decide how to end it, this great evil. And the time of the elves is over. My people are leaving these shores. 
And that's when Gandalf says we must put our faith in men. Men, men are weak. And Elrond was there. Like we, we kind of forgot and glazed over it, but Elrond was in the prologue. He yeah. was at the Battle of the Last Alliance. Dead. Yeah. Go ahead. It just it just showed a flashback of him looking over when um good old Sauron got his fucking his pee pee slapped and when he got his booty clapped. <laughs> yeah. When he got his chain mail fucking pulled in his <laughs> got his fucking cock ring stolen from him. His plates dented in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Elrond was there at the Battle of the Last Alliance. I think it was like three thousand years ago. And Elrond is telling a Sealdor to cast the ring into the lake of fire. You must cast it into the fire. <laughs> he's telling Isildur, who now has the ring now that he's killed Sauron, and already the ring has taken over Isildur's mind. Like, that's how powerful this thing is if it yeah. gets into the hands of men. Like, you know, hobbits and elves and dwarves, they may be able to stave it off, you know, event for longer periods of time, but if it gets in the hands of a man... Oh, it's almost instant. It's game over. Yeah. Like, instantly. Um, but Elrond didn't stop Elendil. And I can see this right now. Like, why didn't Elrond stop Elendil and, like, just kill him and throw the ring into the volcano? Uh, one, that would have started a war between the fucking elves and men. Like, easily. Like, you just killed the king of fucking, not Gondor, but, like, Numenor or whatever. Yeah. The race of men that came before Gondor. So you just killed their king. And also, Elrond didn't understand the full scope of the evil of the ring. He didn't realize that if he let this ring go, it would be like this ultimate doom. Yeah. He's just like Gandalf. They, these characters learn more about the ring as they do research and find out more. Like, I mean, I think Elrond knew that the ring was powerful and evil, but I didn't think he knew that it would bring back Sauron if you let it not be destroyed, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, he didn't know the full scope of its power, basically. Because, I mean, um, while both Gandalf and Elrond are. Uh, they're very wise and knowledgeable people. Yes. Um, you know they're they're not they're not omnipotent. They don't know everything exactly. So they're still they're still learning things as they go. Yeah. So I mean that's my head canon. I mean the books might tell something <clears throat> different, but that's just my head canon to make it make a little bit more sense. Like why not just kill him? Like yeah, I mean that makes sense to me too because that is something that I've considered. Um, but when you take into account that you know. Especially with where those two races were at that point in time, um, it very well could have, yeah, essentially been like end of the end of the road for both species. Yeah. So I love this scene, man. Boromir, um, who is the messenger of Gondor, one of the messengers for the Council of Elrond, he's walking around like uh the archive room or the library of Rivendell, and there's this beautiful mosaic of. Elendil and or not Elendil, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a Sildor. a Sildor. Thank you. A beautiful mosaic of a Sildor holding up his white blade that's been smashed in half against Sauron, and it, it's beautiful. Like I, I kind of want that as like a poster. Yeah. Um, but this is a small extended scene. Not this, but when Boromir asks Aragorn because he's sitting in the corner, asks him who you are, and he says, "I'm a friend of Gandalf the Grey." Very short scene, but it's just a, another thing that says Aragorn doesn't want to show his true identity yet. Yeah. That he is the true heir and king of Gondor. Uh, Boromir goes over to this pedestal where the sword that was broken now rests in this like little, you know, monument thing. 
Yeah. Um, to kind of show it off. And Boromir picks up the blade. I think it was Narsil. Yeah, it was Narsil. And then when it's reforged, it's called uh, Anduril, the Flame of the West. Okay. So Narsil, the shards of Narsil, he picks up the blade. He says, this is it. The blade that cut the ring. The shards of Narsil. Blade to cut the ring from Sauron's hand. Still sharp. No more than a broken end. He picks it up, you know, because he's a man of Gondor, right? That's their history. That's their legacy and everything. Yeah. Picks it up, cuts himself with it. He's like, still sharp. And then he gets a nasty look from Aragorn. He's like, but nothing about a broken heirloom. And he sticks it back. And this always pisses me off. He sticks it back. He lets it fall to the ground, turns his back. He's like, should I get that? Nah, fuck it. No, dude, he basically did a fucking mic drop and then just walked away. Like, he knew it didn't go where it was supposed to. He, and it, the, the straight up disrespect. I don't understand why he would disrespect it so much. That's a Gondor heirloom. That's like the sword of the king of like one of your first kings of Gondor. Yeah. And you just drop it on the ground and you don't give a fuck. But. Anyway, he walks away like a jackass. Aragorn, you know, even though he doesn't want to be king, he still respects his past and his heritage. Yeah. Picks up the sword, puts it back. It's not straight at all. Kind of fucking irritates with my OCD and everything. Yeah. It's not lined up with the rest of the shards, but whatever. Um, then Arwen comes in. Arwen, obviously knowing Aragorn's past and his heritage and his, his family history, says, why do you fear the past? Why do you fear what... Uh, taking the mantle the king would would be yeah and aragorn he's afraid of the weakness of man he's seen it he's you know experienced the weakness of man and it's part of his history being a, a descendant of a sealdor that you know a sealdor turned his back he let the ring succumb to him or uh he let himself succumb to the power of the ring yeah and he's worried that if he takes up the mantle the king he will follow some kind of same fate where he becomes weak and not good enough. Yeah. And I'm sure it doesn't help too, like, especially with his, um, his connection to the elves, like seeing how strong their people are. Uh, cause it, there's a very clear difference, uh, in the two cultures between man and elves. Yeah. Um, and that alone kind of like shows their, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the strength that they have as far as, um, uh, like, being able to stick with their convictions and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so b- being so emerged in that, like, I'm sure that that con- uh, contributes to him not wanting to uh, pick up that role as a king. Oh, because he loves the elven culture so much. Yeah. Like he's been, he's been so enveloped by them that, you know, knowing that he obviously is a, a man, like he's not going to be able to have that same, that same level so mm. he's worried that he's gonna follow suit kind of like you were saying like he's gonna uh eventually end up like a sealed door and okay. have something fuck him up oh i could see that. that that's a good explanation too um so interesting tidbit for the longest time i actually thought boromir and aragorn this is before i actually like started watching the movies with you guys mm-hmm. uh i thought they were brothers I could see that from like a third person, you know, watching these films, you know, they're both long haired, goateed, rocking heroes, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I could, I could honestly see why that would be the, 
an interpretation, right? Like they're both the men of the party and everything. I could see why that you would see that. Um, but there was a cute little romance scene between Aragorn and Arwen. So they're rekindling their relationship, you know, their love for each other. And then I'm it moist. goes. What's that? I'm moist. I am so moist, Aragorn. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it both times. <laughs> mm, Aragorn, I want you between my thighs. What's that guy's name again from South Park? Ned. Ned, cause uh, Ned. I brought my old war buddy Ned to keep things safe. Hello, Mrs. Cartman. How are you today? Mm, Aragorn, I am now ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am awaiting mm, penetration. Oh God. Okay. So back to the movie. We go to the Council of Elrond, and there's this circle of, like, diplomats from all the free places of Middle-earth. There is, like, the elves from Mirkwood, I believe. There's the elves from, uh, I think, no, there's not any elves from Lorien yet. There's the men of Lake Town. They send their representative. There are the dwarves of the Iron Hills, and uh, I believe, presumably, the Lonely Mountain. Um, and good question for you. Is Lake Town uh, the city that fucking uh, Smog decided to go through and light the fuck up in the second Hobbit movie? That was Dale. Okay. That I was the, remember the. I can't remember the name of it. That was the city that was um, destroyed by Smog in the beginning of The Hobbit. Yeah, so there was two like cities shown in The Hobbit movies. There was Dale and then Lake Town. Lake Town is like the remnants of the the people that lived in Dale before uh, after it was destroyed and they settled in a new place. Okay, yeah, cuz what I was thinking was like, you know, when we see um oh, I can't remember his fucking name anymore. Uh but we see the the one much like the, the longer-haired individual uh start shooting those big ass fucking bolts at Smog to Oh, that's Bard the Bowman. Yeah. Um so I didn't know if that that th- fight took place in Lake Town or if it took place elsewhere. Uh, that fight takes place in Lake Town, where okay. he sh- actually shoots down Smog. Yeah, with the the Black Arrow. Okay, and yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I couldn't remember if Lake Town was that location or. Oh, that's where the. Okay, I see what you mean now. What the you're. Confused. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where that took place because I, I knew Lake Town sounded familiar, but I couldn't remember if it was yeah. that or one of the other spots they went to. While we're talking about the Hobbit, I if I remember right, Bard is a descendant of somebody that tried to take down Smog when Dale was burned down. I can't... Uh, yes, I do remember that being mentioned. I don't remember the individual's name, but I do know that um, his ancestor was one of the ones that tried to take him down. That's yes. why he had the Black Arrow. Yeah, I don't remember if that was like an extended scene or if it was in the base film, but I do remember that part. It's in the base film. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, back to the Council of Elrond. So, essentially, there's people and representatives from all corners of Middle-earth that still stand free. The good people, right? Not the orcs and Mordor. And Boromir, being, you know, the representative for Gondor. Uh, were you looking at my PC lights? Were you enamored? Yeah, yeah I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was watching the fucking ram get lit up. Oh. <laughs> um, Boromir is the representative of Gondor. He's been sent by his father, who is the steward of Gondor, not a king but more like a placeholder, right? You know, just to, to keep the government going. Um, his father is Denethor, who sent him down here. And Boromir is very enamored by the ring. He calls it a Sealdor's Bane. 
and the ring is in this center pedestal. You know, everyone's sitting around it. Boromir starts walking towards it, is about to touch it, and this is an extended scene. Gandalf gets up and starts talking in black speech, and he's trying to like, hey, Boromir, fuck off. Don't touch that thing. Yeah. Like, really trying to, like, give the severity of that evil. Like, nobody fucking touched that ring. Frodo is the <laughs> only one I want to handle it. Elrond says, never before has the voice of the black speech been uttered here in, uh, in Lord, God damn it, in Rivendell. I'm stuttering a lot. I'm just so excited. <laughs> never before has the voice of the black speech been uttered here in Rivendell. And Gandalf's like, my most apologies, sir. Uh, but I had to, like, emphasize the evil of this thing. The ring is altogether evil. And Boromir's like, it's a gift. It is a gift. It's where that meme comes from, where mm-hmm. he has his, his hand, like, closed, like, in a semicircle. Like, yep. a gift from the foes of Mordor. One does not simply walk into Mordor. Yep. And Boromir's talking about how long has the people of Gondor kept the evil of Mordor at bay, and by the blood of our people are your lands kept safe. Long has my father, the steward of Gondor, kept the forces of Mordor at bay. By the blood of our people are your lands kept safe. Give Gondor the weapon of the enemy. Let us use it against him. And that's actually kind of like fucked up. It makes me think like, how long has Gondor been like sacrificing themselves to fight Mordor? Yeah. Like how many lives have they lost? And this is what makes me sympathetic with Boromir. And why I don't think Boromir is a bad character at all, or an evil character. Yeah, I don't see I don't see him as evil. Like he was one of my favorite characters for a very long time. I love Boromir. Like he just wants to save his people. Like imagine this: you grow up in a city, almost nothing else you have known is war. Yeah. Like you see your friends die constantly to the forces of Mordor. You're constantly under siege. You lose the city of Osgiliath, which is one of the main cities on the like the river separating, you know, Minas Tirith and Mordor. Yeah. It's constantly like like a World War II battleground, you know, fighting for city street after city street. You lose a battleground, you win some. It's this constant tug of war. Meanwhile, it almost reminds me of like World War One, like trench warfare. Oh, absolutely. Like constantly going back and forth, especially um when you consider the the river. Uh, kind of as a oh. just a giant fucking trench. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe that's more inspiration from J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, because he was in World War One. Very well could be. <laughs> but it makes me sympathetic with Boromir. Like, dude, imagine this. Like, your whole life you've known war. You're constantly under siege by the enemies of Mordor. Orcs. Yeah. Your friends are always dying around you. You know, and it's up to you as the steward's son to make it right. There's so much pressure on you. To save your people. Yeah. And he, this is his only way that he can find to save his people from annihilation. Of course he's going to try to take it. Yeah. Like, don't judge Boromir too hard, man. I want that ring. You want that ring? I, I want, want it. it. <laughs> I want this ring. I want it. But he's basically telling the whole council, by the blood of our people, are your lands kept safe? And Aragorn chimes in, you cannot wield it. None of us can. He's got this weird sound here. Mm-hmm. This is like one of his first days on set. So he hasn't really like found his voice and everything for Aragorn. Yeah. Uh, the ring was made for Sauron alone. It has no other master. And Boromir chimes in. And what would a ranger know of this? And this is where uh, Legolas, we don't know his name yet, but it's the elf messenger from Mirkwood. Yeah. 
and he'll later join the fellowship. Later, Legolas chimes, chimes in and says, he is no mere ranger. He is an heir to the throne of Gondor. Uh, the son, you owe him your allegiance and everything. Bormir's like, Aragorn? <laughs> so this is a Sildor's heir. This fucking piece of shit over here that gave me shit about the library sword. <laughs> <laughs> Gondor has no king. What's kind of cool here is we get to see Aragorn when Legolas is defending him speak in Elvish and tell him, hey, just take a seat, bro. Sit like, the fuck down. Yeah, if I wanted him to fucking know that, I'd have said, hey, I'm Aragorn, bitch. Now fucking drop to your knees and bow. Yeah, Legolas did fuck him a little bit on that. He's trying to keep his identity a secret and everything. Yeah. Elrond says, we have but one choice. The ring must be destroyed. And I love this. Gimli stands up. He's the dwarf, you know, from the Lonely Mountains. Messenger, he says, well, what are we waiting for? Yeah! <laughs> he tries to smash it, but the... Yeah, he, do, he tries to pull a fucking... Um... Oh, what the hell is that bitch's name from fucking uh, Emperor's New Groove? Oh, uh, Gizma's? Yeah, Yzma. Yzma. He tries to pull a fucking Yzma, you know. And uh, smash it. <laughs> put that box. Put that box inside of another box and you mail it to me and smash it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you managed to make an Emperor's New Groove reference in Lord of the Rings, but you did it. Dude, because... Fucking smash it with a goddamn hammer. As <laughs> soon as I saw it, I put it. Or, yeah, it, it fucking got created up here. Okay. <laughs> um, but Elrond says the ring cannot be destroyed. Gimli, son of Gloin, by any craft that we here possess. Uh, the ring was made in the fires of Mount Doom. Only there can it be unmade. And uh, this is where Boromir does the famous line. One does not simply walk into Mordor. <laughs> That was such a fucking popular meme in like the early 2000s during the MySpace era. Dude, I know. Fuck, you, you just aged us so fucking I know. hard. <laughs> We're so old that I just carbon dated us with our <laughs> meme knowledge. <laughs> um, but I just remember that everywhere, like on fucking Google Images. Oh, dude, it was one of the like most used memes fucking everywhere. Yeah. It's an older meme, sir, but it checks out. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but uh, everyone starts arguing, right? Like about what to do with the ring. Everybody stands up and even Gandalf's chiming in. You, no one can escape it. You'll all be destroyed. Frodo is looking at the ring and he sees the reflection of everybody in the ring. Really cool little detail and everything. Yeah. I think it's supposed to like symbolize that the ring will be their destruction. And then they see like a little flame come out and everything. Yeah, I was gonna say like they they really emphasize that fact because all of the the people that you can see in the reflection they get covered in this giant ball of fire. Like yeah, engulfing them. Yeah, and what's interesting too is um when Gimli hit the ring with the hammer, Frodo visibly like he he literally flinched like he almost oh, felt you're it right he did feel it he had a reaction to it it already has attached himself to the point where it has a like physical aspect but it's not altering his mind yet that's true so Frodo has had enough right he chimes in I will take it I will take the dick up the ass <laughs> I volunteer <laughs> I, I volunteer as tribute it <laughs> <laughs> has the same kind of energy I know dude <laughs> I volunteer <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. Fucking Hunger Games ripped that off of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I you know. pieces of shit. Um, but Frodo has now undertaken the the role, the responsibility of taking the ring to Mount Doom. And Gandalf says, "I will help you bear this burden, Frodo Baggins, as long as it is your as it is your burden to bear." 
And then everybody else starts chiming in. Gimli, Legolas, you have my bow and my sword and my axe. <laughs> and again, another another meme. So many memes were made from these fucking films, bro. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of nostalgic. Carbon dated us. I know <laughs> carbon dated us, but like it's also fucking nostalgic to watch watch these films again it's like a tree you don't need to cut us open and count our rings you just need to test our meme knowledge <laughs> i know it's like oh we got a millennial over here <laughs> old fuck <laughs> back um, in my day back, memes were made from lord of the rings back in my day we only had gifts <laughs> some people call them uh gifs but they're fucking wrong Gifts. eat me but everybody starts chiming in, right? Like, uh, even Sam, who was hiding behind the bushes, you're in you're the, the bushes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, don't rip my sleeve. <laughs> uh, Sam chimes in, says, no one's going anywhere without me. And then Elrond's like, well, I, hi- I think it's hardly possible to separate you two when he's invited to a secret meeting and you are not. <laughs> and then out of the fucking hallway, who is it? It's Mary and Pippin. Mary and fucking Pippin. They're like, hey. We're coming too. You have to tie up in a sect for us to fucking leave him behind. <laughs> and then Pippin, the dumbest motherfucker, is like, anyway, you need people of intelligence for this sort of <laughs> mission. Quest. Thing. Thing. <laughs> well, that rules you out, Pippin. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and that's where Elrond is like, nine companions. So be it. You shall be the fellowship of the ring. And in the book, he says something similar, but he says nine companions to face down the nine ring race. I'm like, no, <laughs> you have five fighters and four fucking fucking uh, detriments to your party. Those four hobbits aren't squaring up with a ring wraith. Oh, dude. I mean, they tried. They tried and they got thrown like little rag dolls. <laughs> so realistically, you have five people versus the nine ring race and then some little ankle biters. <laughs> <laughs> You have you have five fighters and four distractions. Yeah. Um, but they are now the fellowship of the ring. <laughs> oh, I forgot. And then Mary's uh, Pippin's like, Great, where are we going? <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't even know. <laughs> Dude. Tell you what, you better find out. But this is an extended scene. Um, if I remember right, this is the Aragorn is like going through the graveyard in Rivendell, and this is the grave of his mom, I believe. His mom is buried in Rivendell. And this, I, I wish I could say I know more, but I don't know anything about like the history of Aragorn's parents and like how he ended up in Rivendell. Yeah. I, I know they were killed, I think by goblins or orcs or something, but, um, and that he had to come to Rivendell at a very young age to be protected because of his lineage. Yeah. Like Sauron was always hunting for the descendants of Elendil, you know, so he had to be protected. Yeah. So, um, uh, Aragorn, he, Aragorn and, uh, fuck, Elrond. I don't know why I'm, I'm struggling with so many names today. I should know this shit. Aragorn and Elrond are talking like I could reforge the sword of the Kings and I can actually understand why they cut the scene out is because, um, God damn it. Elrond is so like willing to reforge the sword in this little extended scene and make him king of Gondor. But later on in like the two towers or the return of the king, 
he's very apprehensive about doing it. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, a clash of like interest or not clash of interest, like continuity error is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be the fact that maybe they had it to where um, he was a little more apprehensive later on because they already knew that they cut it. Um, you know, they, they decided to go a different way. Excuse me. Jesus Christ. Um, as far as like a creative, um, uh, a creative thought process. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it's an interesting tidbit to be able to see. Yeah. But you know, that, that's, that's just my thoughts on it. Like, because they already knew that they cut that scene from the, um, theatrical release that they could kind of change his perspective on it. Yeah. I understand why they cut it out because it conflicts with Elrond and how he behaves in later films about the sword and reforging it. Yeah. Um, and then we go to Bilbo giving Frodo sting. And this is the magical sword that Bilbo found in the troll cave in the Hobbit films. It turns blue when orcs are close. And for a full-size person, it's more no more than a butter knife or a, a letter opener. <laughs> but for a hobbit, it's a full-sized fucking sword. Yeah. Uh, forged by the elves of Gondolin, I think, in Eon's past. So it's really fucking good quality, like steel or silver, like alloy. Yeah. Um, and then he gives him his mithril shirt. And Bilbo, he's like, as light as a feather and as hard as dragon scales. Doesn't he get the fucking mithril in The Hobbit? Yeah, he gets it from... Uh, the king of dwarfs, uh, uh, Thorin. That's what I thought. Yeah, in when they're defending the Lonely Mountain. Yes, he finds the the mithril shirt in like the armories of the Lonely Mountain, and he he gives him as a, like a kingly gift. Yeah, you know that was like his thirteenth share or whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frodo opens up his shirt to put the mithril shirt on and everything, and Bilbo, you know, sees the ring like I. Much like to hold it again one last time. This scared me as a kid, man. Oh, dude, like, I can imagine because they do some visual effects on his face mm-hmm. to make it to where he looks, you know, a little, a little golemish. Yeah, he's like, his fucking eyes just go super big. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I need that. But this is actually a very real sad scene. And I feel for Bilbo right now. He's like, I'm sorry. He turns away. He's like very regretful for how he acted. He knows the burden that he put on Frodo. Like he felt that in that moment, you know, that addiction. And now he feels so bad and so sorry that he passed that on to basically his adopted son. Yeah. Like he knows what Frodo's having to, to undergo in order to um, get that ring to where it needs to go. And he yeah. feels, he feels terrible about it. Like it, it's not something that, is exactly light, you know, like, you know, we've already discussed it. Like it has a, a emotional weight, an emotional weight. Exactly. Um, Addiction. Yeah. So, um, him seeing that Frodo still had it in his possession was just a little bit too much for him to bear once he got his senses back. Yeah. And like, that's real emotion, man. Like I forget that actor's name, but he's doing a good fucking job. He starts crying. Like, I'm sorry for everything. And he's you no know, Frodo comes over for a little, you know, compassionate hand, puts it on his shoulder. And we go straight to this is another extended scene. Um it it kind of gives more uh lines from the book. The ring bearer is setting out for a quest for Mount Doom. 
Um, none of you owe any loyalty or any oath. You go as far as your heart will take you. Um, basically, that means like go as long as you want. Like there's nothing. There's no binding contract. There's no oath that you're taking here. Like you all go as long and as far as you're willing to go to help Frodo. Yeah, like if it ever gets to a point to where you feel like you need to stop, just stop, turn around, go on with your life. Like don't don't feel like you're tied down to having to do this. Yeah. And I, I think it makes sense that they cut this out because it makes it seem like anyone is going to abandon Frodo. Yeah, like it makes it seem like there's um like there's no real commitment to getting the ring to Mordor or, you know, there's no commitment to helping Frodo get to where he needs to go. Yeah. Like and there's this cute little scene where Frodo is like, "All right, you're the line leader." You know, he's walking very slowly. He doesn't know and he asks Gandalf because they come to a crossing and he asks Gandalf, "Right or left, Gandalf?" And he says, "Left." <laughs> so Gandalf is going to help give Frodo directions and everything all the way to Mordor. Yeah. He's fucking <laughs> He's his GPS. He's his GPS. Take a left at the next intersection. Take a left at the next intersection. <laughs> My dearest Frodo, please take a left at your nearest intersection. Yeah. You have gone past the turn. Go down the street and turn around. You shall not pass this intersection. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's fucking stupid. <laughs> but Aragorn, and this is another extended scene. It's still part of it. Aragorn and Arwen exchange a little like farewell nod and everything. Obviously, for appearance's sake, they can't just like kiss each other goodbye and everything because their relationship is still a little bit of a secret they're trying to like keep it hidden i think elrond knows but like doesn't like want to admit it so together their relationship how i've always kind of looked at it is it is akin to that of padme and anakin um in star wars with obi-wan essentially being elrond's place like he uh, obi-wan knows what's going on but he doesn't ever say anything you said panamé padme <laughs> excuse me you said padme panamé padme panamé panamé but but yes uh it it would be like padme and um anakin like you know they they do the yeah. best to um keep the relationship a a secret for different reasons like you know yeah. jedi aren't supposed to have any sort of attachments or whatever but what's your fucking a senator dude <laughs> i mean dude like he's fucking on point with it <laughs> i've seen these but... memes it's like all right anakin we know you're a horny teenager but we need you to watch after the senator don't fall in love with her or anything and then it shows like padme in fucking like lingerie and like all sexy it's like, don't fall in love with her or anything. We know you're a horny fucking teenager. <laughs> Something's happening to me. Oh, oh no. Um, but that... We need to talk about the movie still. Um, <laughs> but, well, it pretty much ends. Like, this is where we wanted to end. The Fellowship is leaving Rivendell. Yeah. And we've set out on a quest. They're taking the ring to Mount Doom. And we have nine companions, you know, to combat and face the nine ring race. And this is the hopes and all dreams of free folk go with them. And this is a good spot to end our section. We're almost like, like give or take a few minutes, we're all pretty much halfway through the film. Yeah. I mean, if I guess if you factor in the end credits, we are halfway through the film. Dude, I literally just said that in my head. <laughs> <laughs>
But Hunter, is there anything that you would like to say about this segment? Anything you want to um, recap? You know, I just I appreciate the amount of lore that we were able to get from this segment. Um, it is a we, very lore heavy segment. Yeah, we get to learn a lot about. I mean, obviously, we get confirmation as to who Strider is, uh, which that being Aragorn. But um, we also get to learn of like kind of where the the state of the world is as far as the different um races the different races and things go it's not just that we're we're focused solely on the elves and the hobbits but we get to pull in a couple more people yeah. so that's that, that to me was pretty cool the world is getting bigger yeah and we get we're to world learn building. yeah we get to learn the state of the different races like you said you know the men have been actually <clears throat> fighting a war with mordor this whole time yeah you know like for decades now, they've been fighting and dying this whole time, and dwarves have just been fucking off. You know, you know, being big mining, big mining company. Elves do the flying. Gondor does the dying. Little <laughs> 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 starship. Okay, I'm I'm making that a YouTube short. Yes. Okay, but anyway, I don't really have anything else to say. Um, this movie is great. I'm a little sad we're already halfway through it, but we have two fucking more films. Well, dude, we have two more of this series. We have three of the other ones. Oh, no. Did you not think we were going to do that? No. I don't want to. My boy. I don't want to. Bite down, spread them they cheeks. suck so bad. <laughs> I disagree. But, okay. You I, know would rather, I would rather cover them than the Rings of Power. Dude, fuck. We aren't even touching that. <laughs> I was willing to do Matrix Four. We are not touching the Rings of Power. I will. Con- yeah, we're not. I would rather it. take a cheese grater, cheese grater to my dick. I would rather put my balls in a vice grip and tighten it as hard as I can. That's not your average Tuesday. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, anyway, this has been Virtual Tavern, a podcast where we talk about all things sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, join us next time where the Fellowship sets out and they are embarking southwards towards the. Uh, the I forget what pass it's called. It's like the, the Gap of Rohan. That's where they're going towards. Uh, anyway, catch us next time. My name is Adam Edgar. And I'm Hunter Chambliss. And we will see you guys next Fantasy Friday. Kachiga. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Later.